Good morning. Let me go to the Lord in prayer before I begin a message. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for today. God, I'm grateful that we have wonderful, rich music in which we can sing and remember all the things that you've done, all the promises and the hope that we have in and through you. God, I pray that as uh, we go into your word this morning, uh, God, that your spirit would be at work through this time. Help us to draw closer to you, go deeper in our faith, God. I pray, too, that I might decrease so that you might increase, God. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if we were to complete a list of all the songs, Christmas songs, that we've ever heard or we know, that would be quite an extensive list, wouldn't it? I mean, there's probably literally hundreds, if not thousands, of songs that we could make put on this list. And the list could include things from All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth, Frosty the Snowman, you know, there's the classic uh, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, you know, maybe not my favorite, but kind of funny. You know, those are kind of more fun and, and frivolous songs, but all the way to songs that are really deep and, and powerful. You know, uh, songs like Ave Maria, the one we just sang, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, O Holy Night, Handel's Messiah. There's deep and rich songs around the Christmas season. And there's a difference between Christmas songs and Christmas carols. A Christmas song is any song that we could sing or hear that would traditionally be played during the Christmas season, but a Christmas carol is more specific in purpose. It's a joyous religious song celebrating the birth of Christ. And some Christmas songs are just like, just frivolous and silly and kind of give us a good laugh, but some carols have actually the power to transform human hearts from self-centeredness to God-centeredness, to give hope to the discouraged, comfort to the sorrowful, and strength to the weary. So as we prepare to celebrate, again, the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus into our sad and broken world, I want us to look at the songs in Scripture that surround the joyous event, the very first Christmas carols ever. The one that we're going to examine this morning is the Song of Mary, Mary's song. So what do we know about Mary who sings this first Christmas carol? Well, we know that she likely grew up in a staunch Jewish family in a community living in the dry Galilean hills around Nazareth. And her daily responsibilities as a rural Galilean family would have included grinding wheat and barley into flour, um, preparing dishes of vegetables, nuts, and mutton, baking bread, spinning wools, making clothes, and fetching jars of water for cooking and for cleaning. And in spite of their land having been conquered and ravaged for centuries by superpowers like the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Persians, the Greeks, and now the mighty Romans, Mary and those that lived in around Nazareth would have had a deep and a strong faith in God's promise that one day he would send his Messiah who would free Israel from all of her enemies. And so the Lord who had heard the cry of his people in Egypt would again mightily come and to the rescue and that just like he did with Moses would certainly one day do so again for them. That would have been their rich, deep faith in what God had promised through the Messiah. And in a culture where women were barely recognized, maybe as a wife or as a mother, around the age of 15, Mary's parents would have made an arrangement with somebody else's uh, parents, another man, and arranged her marriage. And the man of their choosing was Joseph, a carpenter from Nazareth. 
And that would have been her husband. And following the engagement ceremony, she would have gone back home for about a year to live with her parents. And then after a year, she would have gone to be with Joseph. And then that's when it all happened. Like this amazing miracle that we see in the Scriptures in Luke. The visit by the angel Gabriel. The announcement that she had been specifically chosen by God to bear His Son Jesus, the Messiah, who would establish a kingdom that would never end. And the power of the Holy Spirit would conceive within her, the child within her womb, without any human intervention. And for his arrival would end the, the, the old human race through Adam, and the first new race would be established in and through Christ. And God had chosen Mary, a young woman of no particular distinction, to carry the Son of God, to be the Messiah's mother. No wonder she, in amazement, responded to the angel, how can this be? How is this possible? That's her response, right? And the angel looks to her and says to her and reassures her, he says, nothing is impossible with God. And with a humble heart, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. So Mary's first response to this amazing call that God gives to her is humble obedience. And she must have known, I think, that this calling, this journey would be, not be an easy task. Uh, has God ever called you to something that maybe wasn't so easy? Maybe when you accepted Christ, you knew your family, that wasn't going to be an easy conversation. They wouldn't easily accept this decision you've made. Maybe there would be conflict because of that. Maybe you knew you were supposed to serve in children's ministry, but you knew that meant you're going to have to give up an extra hour on a Sunday morning and, and be committed to coming regularly on Sundays. And you weren't sure you were going to be able to do this anyway, to lead a class of kids. And yet God invited you that. Maybe in a bigger sense, you know, someone called your adult children to the mission field across the other side of the world to proclaim the good news of Christ to people that really didn't know much about Jesus. God's calling can be so varied and so different. You know, Reg and Wendy Stottle's kids, their grown kids, were teachers and coaches in northwest Arkansas, and yet they, were, they felt a call, they sensed a call by God to give up those careers, to become missionaries, to go to a Southeast Asian country, to make significant changes, to take their children with them. And what a blessing and honor anytime God calls us to serve, especially someone called to be a missionary. What an honor, especially for Reg and Wendy, that your children would change everything to go and to honor God to a place halfway across the world. And I remember Reg and Wendy kind of wrestling between two feelings. One, the blessing and the honor of your children being called to be missionaries by Christ, but the feeling of, does it have to be my kids and my grandkids that are going to go halfway across the world? God, are you sure you're not calling somebody else's children and grandchildren to go to that place? And God's calling on our lives to serve Him is always an honor and a blessing. But often it requires a commitment, a sacrifice, no, no matter what the level, small or big, in terms of that calling. And sometimes it feels like it's more than we can handle. Sometimes the calling to serve is not a huge task, but still requires some commitment and some sacrifice in our lifestyle. Maybe a change in our life, a sacrifice of time and energy and resources. And yet sometimes God's call can be a bigger uh, kind of a responsibility. And how do we respond when God comes calling on us, when he calls us? You know, we may feel like we don't know if we're capable. 
We don't know if we're able to get it done. We don't know what the future looks like. Are we going to succeed or will there be failure if we pursue that thing that God calls us to do? But how do you respond when God calls you to a task or a responsibility? How did Mary respond? Well, Mary is, I think, understandably overwhelmed and troubled, confused. She's probably needing another caring and understanding and wise human being to talk to. And can you imagine trying to explain this private angelic visit, this immaculate uh, pregnancy, even to her parents and to Joseph, to people in the community of Nazareth? That would not have been an easy thing. And yet, with the amazing news that her cousin, Elizabeth, had conceived, she was already six months pregnant, even though she was way past childbearing age, Mary knew, I think, instinctively who she needed to go visit, who she needed to go be with. And so she goes and visits her cousin, Elizabeth. And that's where I want to draw us to the Scripture passage this morning. So I invite you to open up your Bibles, if you have them, to Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39. You can also go to the app. You can watch, you can look at the screen behind me as well for that passage that we're going to read this morning. So again, this is Mary, who's gone to visit her cousin, Elizabeth. It says, at the time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears? The baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And so how did Mary respond? Elizabeth gives this joyous and affirming and prophetic greeting as Mary comes into her home. And she releases, when she gives this greeting, it releases within Mary uh, her heart that's become known as what's called the Magnificat from the opening words in the Latin words that mean, my heart magnifies the Lord. This is how Mary responds. We have in Scripture this song that she exclaims. Let's go on and pick it up in verse 46. And Mary said in response to the greeting by Elizabeth, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So Mary responds with this amazing song of of faith and of hope and of love. It's a song of love, right? And as soon as she hears these words from Elizabeth, before she's even had an opportunity to explain the purpose of her visit, Elizabeth is referring to her as the mother of my Lord and pronouncing a blessing on her for receiving and believing the word that the Lord has spoken to her. And the questions, I think, in Mary were quieted when she saw and she heard Elizabeth's response. The anxiety 
decreased. The confusion collapsed. Her doubts, I think, disappeared. And Mary knew in her spirit what had happened to her was for real. This is real. And what happens? Praise erupts from within Mary's inmost being like an overflowing fountain. And the moment that she and her people had waited for so long had finally arrived. God had heard her cries and with the longings of, her, of His children and the work of salvation had begun in and through Mary. And her song is made up of images and, and references to Scripture from Genesis, from Job, from the Psalms, from even Isaiah. And to me that it highlights just how steeped Mary was in the Word of God. She knew the Word of God. She treasured the Word of God in her heart. She understood who God was. She had faith because of her understanding of the Word. And Mary studied the Word of Scripture as a lover would passionately study and memorize and consume the letters from her beloved. And that only stimulated her thinking, but it transformed her heart and her mind and her soul. And so from the depths of her being, she gives this expression to her amazement, her adoration, right? Her worship and her love for God. That He has singled out someone like her, a nobody from Nazareth, to accomplish His mighty purpose. And think about how this is keeping in God's character, right? That He would choose somebody that the world would not expect to do this significant task for God. I mean, we look back and we can see how God chose Israel from the beginning, because, not because they were a mighty and a powerful nation. No, the opposite, right? They were least, the least of all the people on the earth. He chose Moses, who was a child of slaves, to be the deliverer of his people from Egypt. He chose Gideon, who was the least, right? Least member of the smallest clan of the smallest tribe of Israel. He chose Samuel when he was still a boy. He chose David, who was the least member in his family that anyone would expect to be the king. So he does these things. He chooses these kinds of people. Not so that no human could ever boast in himself or herself, thinking that their strength their wisdom, their beauty, their attractiveness, their ingenuity was what had brought these things about. No, the glory and the honor belongs to God only and always. Guess what, folks? If you don't feel qualified to serve for God and in God's name, hey, that excuse doesn't fly. God often selects people to serve who, from a worldly perspective, don't have the qualifications if God invites you to a task, to a responsibility, don't, don't think that you can use excuses like, you know, I haven't been a Christian very long. You know, you probably want to pick somebody else. Or, I don't know Scripture very well. You probably want somebody who understands and knows Scripture better. You know what, are we going to throw up a weak excuse? Or are we going to respond out of loving gratitude that God wants to use you? Just like He wanted to use Mary. Again, Mary's song is a song of love. And it's also a song of faith. And faith grows out of true worship and adoration of God. And worship takes our attention off of ourselves and it puts it on God. On His might, on His power, on His mercy and grace. And the envir that environment is perfect for strengthening and deepening faith because faith keeps its vision focused on the Word and the promises of God and not on the surrounding or prevailing circumstances that we might find ourselves in, right? Think about how Mary, like she was standing on the promises, right, and on God's Word. She wasn't looking at her circumstances. According to Hebrews 11, chapter 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for 
and the conviction of things not seen. It's believing that because that God has already declared something, it's already been accomplished. It's even if it's not tangible, if it's not visible, the evidence is not clear to us, we can trust because God has promised it. Because God has spoken it, it's going to come true. And so we hear Mary proclaiming that God had already scattered the proud and the arrogant, that He already pulled down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the poor and satisfied the hungry with good nourishment and sent the self-sufficiently wealthy away empty-handed. But as she spoke those words, her circumstances had not changed, right? Her visible, natural circumstances were no different. She was still a young peasant woman from Nazareth. The Romans and the Jewish power-hungry King Herod were still in control and still ruled Palestine with an iron fist, right? They still taxed the people to the benefit of the emperor and the, the people who were in power. The rich still had their goods and the poor were still poor and struggling. Nothing had yet changed. And yet she had spoken as if it had already changed. But Mary could sing and praise because she already saw a vision of a changed society that God was bringing about through the gift of this son that he was giving her and to all the people where all the wrongs will be righted, where every injustice is going to be corrected, where the oppressed and the downtrodden are going to be lifted up and those who have been elevated and exalted themselves are going to be humbled. So Mary sings this song of faith, trusting in God. She was assured of the things that she hoped for and she had conviction of things that were not yet seen. She sang a song of faith. It was also a song filled with hope, right? A hope that was based in, in being nurtured and strengthened and encouraged uh, by her faith, right? It's a hope that's based on the promise that God had made to her ancestor Abraham and to his descendants. And the promises are found in Genesis chapter 12 and, and chapter 17. And this promise was to establish his everlasting covenant with Abraham and to bless all the people and all the nations through Abraham and through his descendants. And the promise was is that he would be their God and he would bring them to dwell in the land and bring them to dwell in the land in peace. And so the believer's hope is always anchored in the faithful and the sure and the certain promises of God. Life's circumstances, right, are unpredictable, sometimes favorable, sometimes chaotic and hard. And they may come and they may go, but God's promises will be fulfilled. Jesus affirmed this promise when He said in Scripture, Heaven and earth will pass away, but My words will never pass away. And so Mary's hope was firmly anchored in what God had promised. She sings a song of love and of hope and of faith because it's in a unique way God had singled her out to carry the eternal word in her womb. And through her, the life-giving word is going to become flesh, to become a human being and become Emmanuel, God with us, God among us, God with us, one of us. And here's the amazing additional news. God also handpicked and selected personally you and me for the very same purpose as He did Mary. The eternal Word of God seeks to continue to become flesh today. Continuing to be expressed uh, through willing and the responsive um, experiences of men and women, boys and girls like you and me, right? 
and dwelling among us, full of grace and truth, right? Your body and my body were each specifically created to be a dwelling place for God. The sacred vessel through which He's going to make Himself known in our homes, in our families, in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, every place that we find life and move and have our being. God wants to be incarnate through our lives, through our bodies. And so, again, this Advent season, He comes to us, the least likely individuals, in the least likely of places. And He says to you and me, He says, Hey, greetings, Mark. Greetings, Cindy. Greetings, Dalton and Dana. Wade and Jeannie. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And then He goes on to promise the giving and the presence of the Holy Spirit upon you. And that Christ might be formed through you and in you. God forces Himself on no one. He takes the initiative. He makes the invitation. And Mary responded by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May it be so to me as you have said. And you and I are here this morning and have a living hope, a steadfast faith. We've experienced this incredible, unconditional of love that God gives us, this eternal, life-transforming love because Mary said yes 2,000 years ago. Think about it. You and I are here today. We have faith. We have hope in God. We've experienced God's love because Mary said yes 2,000 years ago. And so our heart, our hurting and our broken world awaits our response. Will you let Mary's song become your own? Will you say yes to God's invitation to serve others in His name out of love and out of faith and out of hope? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this incredible story of how you brought about to bear the purpose and the mission of bringing your Son, Christ, as Emmanuel, God in flesh, God with us, fully God, fully man. God, that you would choose again another servant like Mary, who from a worldly perspective probably didn't have the qualifications for this role that you chose her for, but you chose her because you wanted to use her, because you were going to be glorified, and because she was hopeful, she was faithful, and she was loving. God, we're grateful for all that you've accomplished through bringing Christ as Mary as his mother. And God, we recognize that you still call us today to serve others in your name, God. Not because we're qualified, we have everything that it takes, everything that's needed, Probably far from the truth, God. You call us because you love us, because you want to use us, God, to embody in our flesh the image of your Son, Jesus, to those that we have contact with, those that we have relationships with, so that Jesus can be proclaimed, God, so the good news can be spread, not because we're great and we're capable, but, God, because you're going to be glorified and you're going to be honored. And so, God, we pray that we might respond as Mary does to the invitation to be used by you. God, we're so grateful. May we be grateful. May we be thankful. May our song be like Mary's song, a song of thanksgiving and praise that you would humbly choose to use us, God. And may we be found willing, faithful, available, and teachable. 
So God, continue to be at work in and through us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, before Wes concludes the service with a benediction, just a couple quick announcements real fast before we do that. Uh, first of all, on your chairs, you uh, hopefully uh, see a, a little business card. It's an invitation that uh, we can hand out to folks in our lives who maybe don't have a church home. I mean, there are a couple times a year when people are open, perhaps open to attending a worship service. One of them is, is Christmas Eve. And so I encourage you to take this card home with you. The times are listed there, 4 o'clock, 5, 30, and 7 and pray about who you could invite to, to worship service at Christmas Eve here at First Covenant. Uh, the other thing is uh, the kids' musical, which is tonight at 6.30 uh, here in the sanctuary. And, and, and again, a reminder about the congregational meeting uh, to vote on Melissa's candidacy is tomorrow night as well at 7. I want you to stand for the closing benediction. And as you stand, I want to invite our prayer team to gather in the hallway here to the right. And if you're in need of prayer this morning, uh, maybe there's a challenge in your life, maybe it's a praise, um, please want to invite you to go and join the prayer team. They would love to listen and to offer a prayer for you if that's a need that you have this morning. And so as we close this morning, just a reminder that God so loved this world, He so loved us, that He sent His one and only Son. Emmanuel, God in flesh, fully God, fully man. Not only did he send him, but he used somebody that was unremarkable, a peasant girl from Nazareth named Mary. If God chooses and can use someone like Mary, he can certainly call and invite us to be a part of what he's doing as well. You may feel like you don't have what it takes. All you need is God's touch in your life. And God will use you. He just needs somebody willing and faithful, who's willing to say, God, yes, I will do that. And so as we praise him, as we worship him, as we're grateful for what he's done, can we go with willing hearts, willing to be used by him for his purpose? Let's go in that knowledge and grace. Amen.